0: Well, a Matthew Kachuk trade has happened, and the star winger is not going to Smashville. Yeah, the Predators reportedly weren't on the list of teams Kachuk wanted to go to, but there's still a story within a story there. Are the Predators done making moves, or is there still one big swing left in David Poyle's tank? We'll talk about that, plus what the forward core might look like next year, for the Nashville Predators. We'll talk about today on the Locked On Predators podcast. Your Locked On Predators, your daily podcast on the Nashville Predators, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thank you for making Lockdown Predators your first listen to the day every single day. I'm Nick Morgan. I'm a writer and editor on the4check.com. Normally, I have a partner in crime, but Anne is taking a little vacation, well-deserved vacation, uh, so she will be back shortly. I uh, also want to mention today's show brought to you by our friends at Bet Online. Bet Online has you covered this season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Bet Online, where the game starts. So, the big story around the NHL this week Matthew Kachuk going to the Florida Panthers, not the Nashville Predators. Uh, yeah, when I first heard about this trade, when somebody first told me, like what the trade was and who it was for, which was Jonathan Huberto, Mackenzie Wieger, and a first-round pick, my instant reaction, the first reaction I had was, this kind of seems like an overpay, doesn't it? Like, it it seems like, you know, the Panthers obviously got Kachuk, which is great, but it seems like they're also losing a lot in the process. Now, I get why they did it. And, you know, a lot of people have kind of pointed things out, like, A, both Huberto and Weger were set to be unrestricted free agents at the end of this year. And there is some doubt that they were going to be able to sign both of them uh, Two, obviously Kachuk is much younger than Jonathan Huberto. Um, so you're all of a sudden you kind of get a longer window for the core team you have right now. Um, And you have Kachuk locked up for eight years, so you really don't have to worry about needing to negotiate or worrying about cap space. You kind of had your court set. I get that. But it just seems kind of weird, doesn't it, that the Florida Panthers would trade somebody who arguably was the best player on their team last year. Not only that, but maybe the second best defender on their team besides uh, Aaron Eklad. In Mackenzie Weger, a very good defenseman. Um, and that's the thing is a lot of people are like, oh, well, you know, you're going to have to get up a lot to get Kachuk. But like, let's not overlook the fact that Huberto was an MVP candidate for most of last season. I mean, the dude had 115 points, led the NHL in assist, you know, more assists than, you know, Connor McDavid, who normally just excels in that category. So it's interesting. Interesting to say the least. Now you know if you're the Florida Panthers, you have your core locked up. You have Kachuk coming in, him together with Alexander Barkov is going to be fantastic to watch next year. My question is, does it make the Florida Panthers better? And that's kind of the million dollar question: is does it make them better? Because it kind of depends on what you think of Kachuk versus Huberto. Like Kachuk is younger. He's definitely got more upside. He's entering his prime, but you know, for the next season, at least, you know, you're losing guy that was the best player in your team last year. You're losing your second best defenseman and you give up a first round pick. I mean, that's a lot to lose to bring in one guy. And again, if it's worth it, if you think Kachuk is that missing piece that you can build around, then that's fine but it just seems like the Panthers now have a bunch of holes they need to fix to get back to where they were last season. Um, You know, if somebody had talked about this trade and went, okay, it was Huberto and Weger for Kachuk straight up, that would have made a little bit more sense, you know, because it's two expiring contracts, but two really good players. And, you know, you're bringing back, you know, a guy that's kind of on that same level as Huberto, just a little bit younger, maybe a little bit more upside and you can lock him up long term. Like maybe Uyghur was that missing piece um, to make that trade happen, not, you know, missing piece to Calgary's Cup chances or anything like that. Um, That would have maybe made a little bit more sense to me. But, you know, hey, you know, I've said it before on this podcast when talking about the Predators. If there's a guy you want if there is a guy you're dead set on thinking is like the best option for your team moving forward, why not take a swing? I mean, we've, we've seen that like in in all sports here recently, like the Los Angeles Rams who won the super bowl after basically mortgaging their next three, four drafts to bring in all these star players. Um, You know, you've seen the Florida Panthers do it obviously this year. I mean, Colorado kind of sold out a little bit to get some, good players on their team. Uh, Tampa Bay Lightning in the NHL notorious for kind of doing that for just you know giving away first round picks like their candy. So you know if you're the Florida Panthers in Kachuk's, you're missing piece, you know fine. whatever I'm, I'm you know if you can justify it, that's good. On the other side, if you're the Calgary Flames, who does this trade change the perspective on your team? for next season no team I think in a span of a few hours has gone from you know absolutely abysmal bottom of the division pick to back kind of where they were last year in in you know in a fashion as quickly as the Flames did because not only you know you obviously lost both Goudreau and Kachuk, but you're bringing back Jonathan Huberto who like I said earlier was an MVP candidate for much of the season was in that conversation, even up until the awards came in, like he was one of the best players in the league last year. You get a 115 point player to put back on that top line, which included Elias Lindholm, who had 40 goals last year. And Tyler Toffoli who exploded when he went from Montreal to Calgary in that trade, like he definitely came in and proved like, Oh, he is going to be a piece for the Calgary Flames for a long time. And you're also adding Mackenzie Weger who, again, you know, the flames on their defensive core this year lost Erica Branson and that's it. So basically he replaced Erica Branson with Mackenzie Weger, who again was one of the best defenders last year for the Florida Panthers, like very underrated defenseman. And you have some really good two-way defensemen on Calgary. Like, Dougie Hamilton, Rasmus Anderson, that you can kind of, you know, that you can now kind of get creative with Mackenzie Weger, maybe shift some lines around and give that defense more depth because that was kind of the one knock on Calgary last year is they had some good defense, but they didn't have a lot of depth and, you know, they forced Markstrom for to kind of have to do a lot, especially in the postseason. So that really shifts kind of the narrative for Calgary. Now they have to resign both players Uh, Who knows if Huberto wants to stay in Western Canada? Who knows if Uyghur wants to stay in Western Canada? I mean, this could very well be like a one-year thing, see how it goes, and then all of a sudden both of them are back on the unrestricted free agency market next year. But, hey, you know, if Calgary thinks their window is now and they have the players to do it, then this certainly keeps them in the playoff hunt. Like, I mean, this certainly I think would keep them – kind of where they were at the end of last season which is phenomenal when you think of who they lost this offseason like i think that's pretty good for calgary so interesting trade we'll see how it works out now obviously there's a preds perspective there uh, obviously a lot of fans wanted kachuk to come to music city turns out kachuk didn't really feel the same way He was not on board with the Nashville Predators. Uh, So we'll talk about that, the implications for the Preds, and if there's still a big fish out there. But first, want to mention today's show brought to you by our friends at BetOnline. Betonline BetOnline.net is the fastest and easiest way to check in on all of your betting needs. You can find all of your favorite sports and events at the number one online source for odds, lines, and games. You can find reviews and news of every single league, Major League Baseball, NFL, NBA, NHL, MLS, WNBA, combat sports, eSports, even golf. BetOnline continues to be the top online resource for all of your sports wagering information as well. From live in-game betting, scores, podcasts, props, odds, and lines, they have you covered. So head to to BetOnline.net today. Use your phone or mobile device to learn more about the trends in action happening today. BetOnline, where the game starts. So obviously Nashville Predators fans wanted Matthew Kachuk in music city, which, you know, it's Matthew Kachuk. So who can blame them? Uh, there were reports out there that there was like a note or like a trade list floating around of teams Kachuk would, would want to go to Nashville was on one of them. Uh, there's later reports for disputing, disputing that list. We just didn't know what about it was being disputed. Uh, and it turns out, Yeah, Nashville was was never on Matthew Kachuk's radar. Uh, David Poyle was at Tennessee Sports Hall of Fame over the weekend. Uh, Jill Jelnick from Fox Nashville talked to him. She asked him about Matthew Kachuk. Um, And he said that, yeah, they they did call Calgary. They wanted to ask on Matthew Kachuk. Uh, Poyle kind of snuck in there that pretty much everybody in the NHL wanted to talk to him. Um, And he was told that Kachuk did not have Nashville on the list of teams he wanted to go to. Uh, He'd said there's only, I think he said like three or four teams that he gave Calgary. Uh, These were obviously Calgary could have traded them anywhere you want, but these were teams that Kachuk would have been willing to sign a long-term deal with. And uh, yeah, I'm I'm guessing that there's probably a lot of teams that weren't going to trade for Matthew Kachuk unless they got that comfort of knowing he was going to be locked up for seven, eight years, whatever that wound up being um so interesting it's kind of a buzzkill obviously um you know be interesting to know what the other teams on that list were apparently st louis was one just because of you know his dad keith kachuk being there for several several years and being a big part of the the blues alumni and whatnot so you have to imagine that's one i um, not sure who the other couple would have been maybe Ottawa for a reunion with Brady, which that would have been prime entertainment for the next handful of seasons. Um, it's interesting. I mean, it's interesting that also you wouldn't want to come to Nashville because, you know, there at least it are pieces there. You know, you get, you got Roman Yossi, you got UC Saros, Philip Forsberg just resigned for eight years. Matt Duchesne still locked up for quite a while. So there definitely would have been a fit for Kachuk. Um, interesting that he would go there. Um, it's interesting to read into David Poyle's comments about at least him calling on Kachuk. Now, there's a couple of different ways you can look at it. You can look at it as Poyle doing his due diligence, which, you know, you should as a GM and just going out and seeing what's out there. If there is a big name player like Kachuk up for trade, you, you should do your due diligence to go in, look at that and see if there is a trade that you can make to bring him in for your team. Like that totally makes perfect sense. Yeah. Um, The other way you can look at it is that maybe David Boyle's not done trying to make another big swing that he's maybe not as content with this roster right now as it would seem. I mean, I mean, sure. Like, you know, if you, if you flame out in the first round for the last handful of seasons, of course you're not necessarily going to be content with the roster, but Yeah, I mean, a lot of people think saw the Nino Niederreiter signing last week and were like, "Oh yeah, the the Preds are they're done. This is the team they're going to be rolling out with next week." So you know, for the Preds that they made that trade but are still calling on Kachuk, kind of makes you wonder. It's like, okay, maybe there's something else out there for the Nashville Predators. Now, the big question would obviously be who, um, because Kachuk's off the table now. Patrick Line is off the table now. Um, the, the really only pieces out there that are considered, I guess, the big fish would be JT Miller, who has one year left on his contract, and he presumably could be going uh, to unrestricted free agency market at the end of this next season. So the Preds would probably prefer to do something like they did uh, or like they would have done with Kachuk, which is try to lock him up long term before they trade so they know they're not mortgaging an arm and a leg to get him. Um, the other interesting name out there is Vladimir Tarasenko, who you would have to clear a lot of cap space for, but apparently St. Louis uh, is dead set on moving him for cap reasons. They want to get a little bit younger, maybe build the team around Robert Thomas and Jordan Cairo. So that's a name that's out there as well obviously Tarasenko still a pretty good player had 80 points last season so he can still score very injury prone which I think maybe would scare the Nashville Predators out of it a little bit but um, yeah I mean even if it's kind of a more low-key player too you look at a team like Toronto who has some cap issues and reportedly maybe trying to move Alexander Kerfoot who that would be an interesting addition to like the middle six of the Predators lineup So it's interesting that the Predators are still maybe kicking the tires on some guys out there. Um, Obviously cap space is going to kind of be the biggest concern for the Nashville Predators at this point. Cap friendly has them um, at more or less right around $4 million. Uh, It's, probably a little bit on either side of that $4 million mark cap friendly right now has them over, but there's also some players on the roster on they have on the NHL roster that are definitely going to be in the minors. And there's definitely some people they have listed in the minors that are definitely going to be on the NHL roster. So um, kind of a little bit of a mismatch there, but yeah, the, a couple of that is going to have to go to Yakov Trenin just because he still needs a new contract. And I would imagine that that's probably going to get resolved in about the $2 million range. Um, you know, I, I don't know if it's enough to go out there and take a swing at somebody like Phil Kessel and bring him in. Although I still think he'd be a perfect addition. Uh, the predators would probably be needing to part with a, somebody else on the roster to make that happen. Um, you know, with Ryan McDonough coming in, like maybe they're still content on looking for a trade for Dante Fabro, uh, who knows, like, but it, it does seem that, you know, the fact that Poyle is at least kind of taking calls and he hasn't said he's done, um, makes me think that there may still be something out there for the Nashville predators. Now, as Ann and I said last week, if that doesn't happen and they go into the year with this roster, I would say that's fine. Like, I'd say you address some key needs. Uh, You replace Nick Cousins with Zach Sanford, who I think is, that's a pretty fine substitution. The biggest hole you had was on your second line, and you upgraded that from Luke Cunningham to Nito Niederreiter. I think that is a big upgrade, and uh, I think that adds some significant depth scoring. And you add Ryan McDonough on your blue line, who is a very, very good defensive defenseman, you know, that's somebody that I think complements some of the more two-way guys on your roster a little bit more. Um, ideally, would be a fantastic partner for somebody like Alexander Carrier. Let Carrier kind of be more of like a play driver, like a mini Yossi a little bit, while McDonough stays back. I think that was, you know, another element that I think a lot of people kind of overlooked for the Predators roster last year was they needed some blue line depth Um, so it's interesting to see what the Nashville Predators need to do I would imagine the big next step is going to be Yakov Trennan obviously now the David Poyle has filled the hole in in the top six obviously how he's got Philip Forsberg locked up he got the Ryan McDonough deal done I think now his attention turns to Yakov Trennan and depending on what happens with that situation maybe that determines maybe you know, either right before training camp or maybe later in the summer. Maybe that's when Poyle takes another look at the roster and says, is there like one or two more things that need to be tweaked here? And maybe we see another big trade, like maybe something happens. So patience, everybody. we said it last week, this is a situation that's going to require a lot of patience. Uh, hey, so what might the forward core look like if this is it? Like if this is the deal, That David Poyle's rolling to the table with what is the offensive lines going to look like what are the line combinations let's talk about that in just a second but first want to make sure uh, that everybody is following locked on NHL the locked on experts give you a daily 30-minute podcast on all things NHL all year long stay up to date on everything in the hockey world locked on NHL your daily 30-minute NHL podcast So line combinations, it's still a a big topic of conversation. Obviously, you know, there's maybe some obvious ones out there. You know, obviously we know that the first line and the herd line are probably going to stay together. But there may be some interesting things you can do elsewhere. So let's kind of look at what we think the Nashville Predators line combinations could be next year after some of the moves they made this offseason. First line. You have Philip Forsberg, Mikhail Granlund, Matt Duchesne. That was kind of the number one line you rolled out with for most of last season. I say that stays together. Like, really, do, like, you can maybe move Johansson or Granlund, kind of flip-flop them if you want. But I say Mikael Granlund had the best chemistry with Forsberg and Duchesne on the wings. And he is a very underrated, I think, top-end center, uh, which is weird because, he, remember, he was a wing to start his Nashville Predators tenure um, you know Grandlin I think is the best option for center for that line uh, very sneaky two-way player he's a great 200-foot guy Um, pretty underrated on faceoffs a good facilitator of plays and very smart and I think that's somebody you need for your top line also is somebody who is smart because you're going against the other team's fastest guys, their best guys, you're going to need somebody with some good hockey IQ to kind of try to outsmart them and read the plays. So I think Granlund gives that best option on the second line. Now, Johansson on the second line, obviously we think Nito Niederreiter, the new addition for the Preds is going to be there. Uh, the two have some chemistry in the past. They both played on the Portland Winterhawks. They're both on the same line there. But who's the other second-line winger? That, I would like to see Phil Tomasino. Now, I know it's kind of between him and Tolvanen at this point. Uh, A lot of people also thought maybe Tanner Genoa out there, but I think that herd line should probably stick together. I think Phil Tomasino is ready for that next step. I mean, we saw it last year, you know, especially kind of towards the end where whenever he was on the ice, he made something happen. You know, whether it was a big play, a hustle play, um, or just, you know, kind of creating space for himself. His offensive instincts are there. And I think the only Scott, like the only knock on him was that maybe the rest of his game hadn't developed, you know, still didn't have that defensive instinct that maybe you want from somebody in your top six. But I think this is a perfect indicate, like a perfect opportunity for him to kind of rise up and take that next step because you have Nino Niederreiter on the other wing, who is a, also a very good 200 foot player, Ryan Johansson, very underrated defensively. That's a line you can roll out there and know you're going to have some offense. And I think Tomasino not only does he blend in well with that line, but I think he's done enough. And if he takes that other step this off season, it's, it's going to really show. I think he's a guy that you look at and say he can create plays for that line like if nita rider is like the dirty goal finisher and you know johansson's kind of the setup man like the physical setup man Tomasino can be the guy that makes kind of the nifty play like the finesse play he's somebody that they can use his skating to open up space for the other two guys and then when he does and he opens up space in that middle of the ice you have two pretty physical guys who are capable of scoring. So I think Tomasino is going to be a pretty nifty addition to that second line if that's what they go with. Obviously, the third line, I think you stick with the herd line. Um, no need to break that up, especially if Yakov in is back. Uh, Colton Sissons is definitely one of the most underrated guys on the team a Swiss army knife can do it all. I mean, he can, you know, add a little bit of a scoring pop when needed. Um, Yakov Trenin, I think was, you know, 17 goals last year. I think maybe he's ready to take that next step. Even if he's just like a 20 goal, 15 assist score, like, you know, somebody who scores a decent number of goals, but maybe not high in points. I think that's fine. That's exactly what you need. From your third line, it's somebody like Yakov Trenin who can score, maybe not like all the time, but enough that it's like, OK, we're getting some depth scoring there. And then Janos going to be interesting. You know, was last year a fluke? Was it just, you know, the fact that people were kind of letting him or is he really a diamond in the rough for the Predators? You know, of course, he had that big start to last season. A lot of people kind of put him in the conversation for Calder. There's still some Preds fans that think he should still be in that conversation. Um, And then he kind of, you know, got a little bit quiet down the stretch. So it kind of makes you wonder, hey, you know, is is the start of his last season for real? Or is he just kind of going to go back to maybe being just, you know, a a grindy depth guy? This is going to be big for him. But I would love to see Tanner Janot and Yakov Trenin stay on that herd line. Um, give the Preds some energy, shift momentum. That's the kind of thing you want from your third line. Fourth line. This is going to be interesting because there's a couple of different directions the Preds can go. At center, I really want to see Cody Glass. Like, I would love to see Cody Glass go to Nashville, stay in Nashville, and have this be the year that he kind of rises to the occasion Uh, it's interesting because last year, you know, the Preds penciled him in kind of as like their number two center. And then that's sort of for number two, number three center. And that kind of fell apart as the year went on, um, which was interesting, but he's back playing in a different role towards the end of last year. And now you kind of see his game and think, okay, this is somebody I think could benefit playing on the third line. I'm sorry, the fourth line. Um, because, you know, you're giving him an opportunity to play a, to kind of show that he's, you know, not, you know, that he's improved defensively and as a 200 foot player. And, you know, you have him in a spot where he can still contribute like a little bit of a scoring touch. Um, you know, the thing with your fourth line is, you know, you don't play him a whole lot. You know, I'm sure if this is where Glass is next year, you know, maybe 14 minutes a game tops, but when you're out there, you want to notice them. Like you want to notice them, make an impact. And I think that's a perfect spot for Cody glass. Also, I think it's a perfect spot for Ellie Tolvanen, Uh, because, you know, for all of his scoring woes last year, I still think he did a lot of things really well. You know, he played defense really well, underratedly, one of Nashville's best defensive Fords, which is saying a lot last year. Um, He plays a very good game. And I think, you know, if you take him out of a spot where he's expected to score goals, maybe you take the pressure off of him and maybe you can maximize the kind of shifts he gives you. Um, So I think putting Tolman and maybe on the fourth line with Cody Glass, that is an offense, you know, that's that's kind of the same situation, you know? You're not putting them out there for a, a long period of time, but when you're out there, you expect them to do, some good things i think that can be a very underrated pairing glass and tolvanen and on the other side i would assume it's zach sanford the new addition to the predators lineup fine i mean he's he's basically a nick cousins replacement um you know did very very well as kind of a two-way guy in st louis um kind of had a bad year last year but he bounced around between first Ottawa and then Winnipeg. So you can't really, I guess, put too much stock into that. Um, but it's going to be interesting. You know, obviously Michael McCarron is still out there as well. Um, you know, you also have um, Kiefer Sherwood who signed a one-way contract. So you'd have to mention he's probably in the mix somewhere, either as like an extra forward or what have you. So there's definitely going to be some forward shuffling options But I think those are the four lines the Nashville Predators should roll with. Let me know what you think. Like, if you think you would like to see a different line combination, let me know. Tweet uh, the show at LO underscore Predators or leave a comment on YouTube. Uh, Interesting to hear your thoughts. Um, Coming up. On the Locked On Predators podcast this week, couple of good shows planned. Uh, Jared Ellis from Locked On Hurricanes, he's going to be joining us later this week to talk about uh, what Preds fans can expect from Nino Niederreiter. We talked about him a little bit, but you know, he is a guy who has watched Niederreiter the last handful of seasons, knows what he's capable of, knows who he might fit in well with for the Nashville Predators. So he's going to give us some insight on that, and then later this week. It's free agency across the NHL. So let's take a walk down memory lane, shall we? We're going to be looking at the best and worst free agent deals in the history of the Nashville Predators. That is going to be a fun show. I've done some articles like this for On the 4 Check, but haven't done this in podcast form yet. So you are going to want to tune in for that. In the meantime, you can find me on Twitter at underscore nsmorgan. As I mentioned, you can read my work at On the Forecheck as well. Uh, if you are watching this on YouTube, be sure to like the video, subscribe, leave a comment that helps us get this content out to more Preds fans like yourself. And as always, you can find us on any audio podcasting platform. Uh, Spotify, Stitcher, iTunes, anything like that. If you have a go-to audio platform for your podcast, we're probably on there. So be sure you subscribe there as well so you know when we put out new shows. That's going to do it for us today on the Locked on Predators podcast. Thank you for making us your first listen of the day. We'll be back tomorrow with more.